This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we begin with Escape, radio's leading anthology series of high-adventure radio dramas. It aired on CBS from July 7th of 1947 to September 25th of 1954. And since the program didn't have a regular sponsor like Suspense, it was subjected to frequent schedule shifts and lower production budgets. Despite all this, Escape enthralled many listeners during its seven-year run. Many story premises, both originals and adaptations, involved a protagonist in dire life-or-death straits. And the series featured more science fiction and supernatural tales than suspense. Tonight's story was written by H. Vernon Dixon and adapted for a radio by Sylvia Richards, who had a rather interesting life. She, who aside from working on radio scripts, was a screenwriter who worked on a number of films in the 1940s and 50s including the film noir Ruby Gentry and the western rancho Notorious. She also wrote for television in the 50s and early 60s. She married Robert L. Richards in 1938, and the two lived in New York for a time, but they eventually moved to Hollywood to launch careers as screenwriters. Now, Richards' work was interrupted by the McCarthy hearings. She was called in as a friendly witness for the House Un-American Committee, but claimed that she went along with it because she feared for the well-being of her two young sons. Her action helped cause a divorce from her husband, Robert, who would not testify for the committee, and he was blacklisted and forced to write under various pseudonyms for the remainder of his career. Now to the story that she worked on for this program, Something for Nothing. The Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies that even the G-men cannot reach. The Green Hornet. Faithful valet Cato, Brett Reed, daring young publisher, matches wits with the underworld, risking his life that criminals and racketeers within the law 
may feel its weight by the sting of the Green Hornet. Ride with Britt Reed as he races toward another thrilling adventure. The Green Hornet strikes again. Hurry, Cattle! We're out to smash a parking lot racket! I want 10% from every parking lot in the city, understand? We're getting them lined up fast, Bleaker. You gotta make it faster. Get out and start collecting that dough. I want more money coming in. 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60, 65, 70, 70. Where's that dough, Carson? I'm not paying any money for racket chiselers like you. We'll be back to persuade you. Little. They won't listen to reason. Smash a couple of the cars. Throw a couple of bombs. Start a few fires. They'll lay it on the line. Toss that bomb. Yes, she goes. A bomb. Wreck the cars. It's them racketeers. Some blasted rat's going to slash all the tires in the lot. I've paid plenty for this. Morning, Blake. How's your parking lot going? Huh? What's you believe? Ten percent, Blake. Pay it and you won't run into grief with your parked cars. All right, you got me. I'll pay. Ten, twenty, thirty, forty. Forty-five hundred. Five thousand. Pay up. Pay for protection. Wreck cars. You're ruining my business. Ten percent or out. Okay, I'll pay. You win. Go for the racket. Take in. Ten percent. Here you are. Don't smash any more cars. I'll pay. Hand the dough over. Here's the money. <laughs> there we got to wind up. Count the money, man. Nineteen thousand twenty thousand. Look at it. Pile up. Look at the pile up. Granny Deeds, we must have driven downtown early. Why, Axford? No earlier than usual. Then Holy Crow, at first the parking lot so empty. You don't think to... Say, Reed, today and Sunday, is it? Don't tell me we made a mistake and come down to the Sentinel on Sunday. Why not? The Sentinel's a daily paper. They're plenty down on Sunday. Yes, but so for the snakes, I never come down on... <laughs> Relax, Axford, it's not Sunday. Look at there ain't hardly six cars in the parking lot. <laughs> Morning, Mr. Reed. Hello, Schaefer. What do you wear the long face for, Schaefer? You're looking like a candidate for the mark with the other cadavers. You better go to that parking lot across the street, Mr. Reed. What? I uh, can't handle you here. Suffering snakes, what's he trying to do? Don't you like us? Or maybe Reed Sedan ain't good enough for your parking lot, giving us the cold shoulder. Shut up, Axford. Don't you see something's wrong? Huh? Oh, golly, is there? Why can't we park here, Schaefer? There's plenty of room. Yeah, after all the accidents I've been having. Yeah, we've heard about them at the Sentinel. So the city. They may take away my parking lot license. Golly. The insurance company has already turned me down as a bad risk. So since you're a particular customer of mine, you'd be better off at another parking lot. Your license hasn't been revoked yet, has it? Not yet. I have my own insurance on the car. Hey, Reed, where are you going? Get out, Axford. We're parking the car here. Uh, Mr. Reed, I... Car's yours, Schaefer. I'll call for it at the end of the day. Suppose something happens. What about these other cars? Well, I told them the same thing, but But no... But they wouldn't listen. Well, put me down as the same kind of sucker, then, Schaefer. This is swell you, Mr. Reed. You see, Schaefer, I know something about those, uh... Those accidents. How do you need the way you say it? You don't mean accidents. I don't. 
You've heard of Bleecker. You mean the racket he is? He's behind your trouble, isn't he, Schaefer? I won't pay that dirty rat one red cent. Uh-huh. I thought that was it. Ten percent he wants for protection. Yeah. Protection. Holy crow, why don't you tell the police? I've told everyone. What good does it do me? No, don't tell me he's bribing the police. Of course not, Axford, but Bleecker's smart. That's it. Everybody knows he's pulling the racket. But how can you stop it when you can't get proof that it's his gorillas who go around smashing cars and cutting up the tires in parking lots? You've heard that happen? Oh, everything. And still you refuse to knuckle under? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I ought to pay the 10%. Yeah, you've fought them this far. Why lose your fight now? I wouldn't mind if it was fight so long as it was a fair fight. But them rats work in the dark. And the police can do nothing, huh? Not a thing. I see. Hey, Reed. What are you daydreaming about? Daydreaming? You had a kind of faraway look in your eye, like you was up to something. Only just when I was getting me brain around to figuring out what, you lost that faraway look, and golly, now I can't tell. <laughs> well, you'll just have to wait till that look comes back. Ah, you got something up your sleeve, I know it. Just as well you're not a mind reader, actually. Huh? There are times when I like to keep my thoughts to myself. And this is definitely one of them. <laughs> Letters, letters, and more letters. How do you bake a chicken pie? <laughs> it's barbecued beef made in barbershops. Gunnigan, <laughs> if you keep grinning at me, I swear I'll get the screaming memes. <laughs> Don't you like my always, Miss Gates? No. But even less do I like handling this cooking advice for the homebody column. It's only for one day. Somebody had to take Miss Topper's place. Good grief. Why does Mr. Reed have to pick this one day to be out of the office? Leaves me with so little work on my desk that I just couldn't excuse myself from this. Casey, why don't you take those letters back where they belong? I like it better here. This is the city editor's cubbyhole. My cubbyhole. Hmm. It could do with a good cleaning. Don't go domestic on me. Why not? I'm reading very domestic letters. Miss Topper's desk is out in the city room. See? Through the glass. Out there. It's too drafty. I like it better here. Or did I say that? You did. Well, here's a typewritten letter. Most of them are in longhand. All right. One housewife can have a typewriter. No law against it. Well, let's see what recipe she wants. Go ahead, Casey, but never mind the talk. Okay, I won't bother you. Casey, what's the idea of knocking the typewriter table over? If that's your substitute for talk, uh, you... Gunnigan, this, this letter... What's the matter with you? Why, it's from a man. Not a woman, a man. So what? Men are interested in cooking? Read it. Go ahead. Listen, I have a front-page makeup to schedule. Read it. Does it say what I think it does? In cooking up a stew about... Oh, Casey, I'm not interested in this hooey. Good grief, will you finish? There's more. In cooking up a stew about a certain type of racket, now being worked, jump in blue blazes. It's about the parking racket. That's what I read, too. I couldn't believe it, but look. Look at the signature. Signature? Well, I'll be a first cousin to an animal trainer. It signed the Green Hornet. That's what I thought. The Green Hornet. That crew's got a sense of humor. Sending it to the Hints for Housewives column. The first time anything sensational came to this column since that cook sent in a recipe for hot buttered scones. Never mind the banter. This is big. Where are you going? Larry! Hey, Larry! Take your elbows off that desk and come in here. Casey, get on the phone call the studio. What for? Get them! Tell him I want a sap made of this hornet letter. Half tone for the front page. Right. Give me the dark room, operator. What's the four-star special, Chief? Get in here and close that door. We got a note from the Green Hornet. Huh? Holy mackerel. The door. Hmm. What about? What did it say? Here. Read proof on it yourself. Oh, dark room. 
Send a boy to the city desk. There's a rush job on a snapshot, and Gunnigan's waiting. Well, is that something? Great guns. According to this, the Hornet's coming right out and saying he's going to take that racket away from Bleecker. One crook fights another. That's going into print in the Sentinel. Are you sure this is on the level, Gunnigan? It hasn't got a Hornet seal. Gosh, that's a thought. Yeah, why isn't Reed here? He's an authority on the Hornet notes. He'd check the paper it's written on. I don't know where he is. Holy cow, Gunnigan. Guess what? Expert, this is no telephone booth. Get back. <laughs> Reed, uh, glad you're here. Boss, take a look at this. We run into more excitement, it seems. More? It, there can't be more. What this guy's got to show is more exciting than anything you got, Gunnigan. What guy? Who is he? Name's Schaefer. He runs a parking lot across from the Sentinel building. A parking lot? Well, that's just what we were talking about. He got a threatening letter. What? Yeah, he's going to get dough from me or else. Now, wait a minute. One thing at a time. Reed, we got a letter, too. I'm telling you, it can't be as important as this, Gunnigan. Why, golly, Schaefer got a threat from the Green Hornet. So what? The letter we got... What? What's that? The, the, the Green Hornet? Yes, Gunnigan. Axford and I got into the parking lot when he was looking it over. Well, what are y'all staring at us for? Because your big lug, this letter is from the same writer. Holy crow! The Hornet? To mail them both at once, boss. Yeah, let me see that. I'll compare them. Yeah, there's no doubt, Gunnigan. These are identical. Same paper. The Hornet? I'm as certain as... As if I had written these myself. That's uh, bad business, Mr. Reed. I've been standing off bleaker, but now if the Hornet stepped in, I'll be given from two racketeers. You keep your chin up, Schaefer. When the Sentinel prints this and the news gets around, Bleeker and the Hornet may battle it out just long enough for the cops to pick up the remains. <laughs> Brett Reed returned to his apartment that evening and spoke to Cato, his valet and the only living man to know him as the Green Hornet. Cato. Cato. Yes, Mr. Brett. The Sentinel's out in the street with the two Green Hornet notes I wrote. It's time for us to get moving. You want a black beauty? The car and the mask, too. I'll need the gas gun as well. Blaker is reading the Sentinel himself, like everyone else in town. We've got to be ready for him. <laughs> Bleaker! Don't shout your lungs off me. I already saw the sentinel with them two green hornet notes. That guy's got a nerve. You gonna let him step in? I was just talking to Hackley. You want the car? The car, sure. I want you and Dirk to bring your guns. We're going to be ready for the green hornet. A lot depends on how Schaefer reacts, Cato. He's almost at the end of his rope. He can't hold out against those racketeers much longer. He's a brave man. Yeah, he's taken a lot from those rats already. Cars smashed, tires ripped open. His business is practically sunk. That is true. Unless I'm mistaken, Bleaker's going to make it even tougher now that he believes the Green Hornet is muscling in on his territory. I see. Open the sliding panel, Cato. We're going to the hiding place of the Black Beauty. Where are we going? Bleaker is just the kind of gorilla to make sure that Schaefer doesn't slip out from under him now. He wants whatever extortion money Schaefer is paying out for himself. And it's up to the Green Hornet to stop him. It all depends on that mug, Schaefer. We've been putting enough pressure on him to make him ready to crack wide open. His business is shot already. He can't keep holding out. He's got plenty of what it takes. He's due to crack. But get this. Schaefer's paying us, not the Hornet. 
Nobody's muscling in on us. We better get moving. Where's the car? In the garage, waiting. Okay. Open the door, mate. Where you going, Bleaker? Me and the boys are paying a little social call on Schaefer. Got the car already, boss. All right. Get in. Take the wheel, Dirk. Better be careful when you get to Schaefer's parking lot, Bleaker. The cops can read the papers, too. We'll wait until it's clear for us to go in and talk to him, mate. Get going, Dirk. We're going to stop that crook that calls himself the Green Hornet. As Bleaker's car swung into the street and turned toward Schaefer's parking lot, a huge sleek black car started along behind them. It was the car of the Green Hornet. The curtain falls on the first act of our Green Hornet adventure. to continue our story. In the Black Beauty, Britt, Reed, and Cato trailed the racketeer's car until they were certain Bleaker was heading for Schaefer's parking lot. Keep watching them, Cato. If they turn that next corner, there won't be any doubt about where they're going. Yes, sir. Fortunately for us, it's too late for there to be much traffic on the streets. Otherwise, we might be running constant risk of being recognized as the Green Hornet. Mr. Britt. What is it? The car. Oh, yes, Bleaker. He's turned the corner, Cato, heading for Schaefer's lot. Quick, turn in this alley. But, Mr. Do Britt. Do as I say. Swing the Black Beauty in here. Hurry before we're past it. Good enough. I don't understand. Why we didn't continue after them? Yes, but... Those three crooks were desperate men, Cato. They're sure to be heavily armed. If the Green Hornet walked in on them, we'd run into a hail of lead. I'll wait here a few minutes to give them time to get to where they're going. I'm going into that drugstore to make a phone call. And I want to be certain Bleaker is there when that phone rings. <laughs> Schaefer talking to a cop. <laughs> Come on. Who's going to take care of the cop, Bleaker? I'll handle him. This way. We can get around behind the shank he uses for an office and slip up on him before they know it. They're standing right next to the door. Take care of that cop before he spots us, Dirk. I don't want any interference when we start talking to Schaefer. The tap over the head will take care of him. Right, take it easy now. Here's the shack. Head around this way so we'll come right up behind him. There ain't nothing happened yet, Schaefer. And there won't be nothing. You've got police protection now. Protection? Why don't you get those racketeers? We'll get them. We need proof, that's all. Bleaker. And now the Green Hornet. Better make one slip and we'll pick him up so fast you won't see him for the dust. Meantime, my business is ruined. You're okay now. I got to... Take him. Look out. What the... No, you don't, copper. Oh, you inside, Schaefer. Oh. You hit him with a blackjack. I saw it. Inside. What do you want? Let me do a job on him, boss. Keep an eye on that cop. I don't want him coming to and identifying us. Okay, please. You can't shut me up. I'll tell the police. As long as the cop didn't see us, you can blab all you like. It's your word against ours, Schaefer. That ain't worth talking about. What are you after? Well, we've been after all along since we started giving your place a works. Extortion money. 
I won't pay. You're a tough nut, but we can crack you. Or maybe you got a reason. Huh? Reason? Don't play dumb. Are you already paying off? No. Maybe you got the hornet behind you. I don't deal with crooks. Any crooks. If you figure paying the hornet will keep us away, get it out of your head. We're controlling the parking lots, and the hornet ain't stopping us. Where is he? I don't know. I never saw him. We read the Sentinel. You got a note from him. Where is he? I tell you, I don't know. Sure, I got the note, but I didn't see him. You're paying us and nobody else, see? Uh, the phone. Get I... away from that. I'll answer it. Keep your gun on him, Hackley. Right. Hello, Schaefer parking lot. Let me speak to Schaefer. Uh, who wants him? This is the Green Hornet. The Green Hornet? What? Don't move. Green Hornet, huh? I, uh, I got your note. Is this Schaefer? Yeah, yeah, this is Schaefer talking. Uh, you calling about the note? When are you going to pay up, Schaefer? Pay up? Well... Don't stall. You agreed already. Oh, so I agreed to pay you, did Don't I? Don't back out. No, no, I ain't backing down. Sure, I'll, I'll pay you, Sure. Uh, when are you coming around to collect? Sometime this week. Okay, Hornet, I'll, I'll pay you. I'll have the dough for you. When? When? Uh, how about tomorrow night? Yeah, tomorrow night, uh, say around midnight. How's that? I'll be there, Shaver. Okay, Hornet. Tomorrow night. He's <laughs> coming here, Bleacher. Tomorrow night? It was a Hornet, Hackley. <laughs> he took me for Shaver. So you was planning on paying the Hornet off, huh, Schaefer? I'm not paying anyone. The Hornet's coming here tomorrow, midnight. You have the dough ready for him, Schaefer, like you said you I were. tell you I'm not paying it. I was just talking to him. Hey, boss. Yeah? If we tell the cops, they can make a pinch. The Hornet? Sure, he's due here. The cops can nab him like that. It'll get him out of the way for a long time. Listen, Hackley. The Hornet's a crook and so are we. Everybody knows that. When I tell you to talk, I'll tell you, Schaefer. We're not telling the cops, Hackley. But we got This is go. our job, taking care of rats who try to cut in. We look after that baby ourselves. Yeah, I guess that's the regular way. It is. We'll be here and Schaefer ain't blabbing a word to nobody. No? You ain't got the nerve, Schaefer. I thought you were tough. But from what the Hornet said over the phone, it was him behind you that was giving you a backbone. Sure. Otherwise, Schaefer would have folded up like the rest of them parking lot owners when we put the pressure on. Yeah. Schaefer? You'll keep your mouth shut. Because, you know, if you don't, we'll shut it for good. And if we don't, the Hornet will. So you're playing ball with our team, see? The Hornet's coming here tomorrow night. And we'll be around to meet him with a dose of lead. Well, he left about an hour ago, Gunnigan. Where? I don't know. Well, get him. Try his apartment. Try every place. I already have, but it's no soap, Gunnigan. I wanted to get in touch with him on another matter, and I couldn't locate him. He's missing something. Don't tell me it's another Hornet note. More than a note this time, Casey. Good grief. You mean they got the Hornet? Yep. Well, that is practically. When? About seven hours from now. They're brushing out a cell at headquarters already. Seven hours. I thought it was in the past, not the future. Casey, by the time tomorrow's Sentinel comes out, it will be over. The Green Hornet will be a crook with a past. And no future. There isn't much future in bars. Bars? My foot. That baby will get the chair. Where are they going to pick him up? Right across the street. What? Right there. Shaver's parking lot, midnight tonight. But, but how do the police know? For a very good reason, Casey. The Shaver told them. Shaver himself? Mm, in person. Apparently, that guy has more fight than the Hornet and those other rights gave him credit for. They took it for granted he'd be too scared to spill. But they took it wrong. They? I thought you said it was the Hornet. Did I forget to mention Bleaker? What? Bleaker, too? Uh, works, Casey. 
Will this make a headline for the public gaze? I might try an experiment on this yarn. Slap the headline that new red ink instead of black. Got it all settled already, haven't you? By gravy, Casey. You don't seem elated. Wake up! The Green Hornet's going to be captured. Yes, I can see that, and frankly, I'm a little bit sorry. Oh, you dames. You think he's a knight in armor. No, in a mask. Honestly, he's not as bad as he's painted. No, he's worse. Hey, Gunnigan, you've been looking for me. I'll say I have, Laurie. Where have you been? Downstairs in a place... Never mind, never mind, I know. You have an assignment tonight. Tonight? I was going to the fights. Throw the tickets in the ash can. This assignment is a racketeer roundup. Bleaker? Not only Bleaker, my little news hound. The big bug as well. Huh? The will of the wisp, known as the Green Hornet. Holy mackerel, Chief. When? Where? You'll get the details later. Just be at Shaver's parking lot with the police tonight. Will I? This is better than any fight. Looks like the finish of the Hornet. Where'd you get the tip, Gunnigan? From Axford. He was at headquarters with his pile Doyle when Shaver came in. Axford? Good grief, Gunnigan. That big lug couldn't get anything straight. He's always wrong. It's probably a month from tonight. Shaver never said anything. And besides, it wasn't the Green Hornet in the first place. Sure, that's how Axford's tips always turn out. This time, it's accurate. I wouldn't bet a plug nickel on anything that guy. Lowry, I'm not a fool. I know how Axford is, so I spoke to Doyle myself. This tip is authentic, the real McCoy. Well, that makes a difference. Does plenty. We'll hold page one open. Gosh, I wish I could get in touch with Mr. Reed. He'd want to know about this. He'll read it in tomorrow's Sentinel. Reed's plain out of luck, Casey. But what's the difference? He'll still be able to pay the reward for the capture of the Hornet. Now get going, Lowry. Over to police headquarters. I'm on my horse. Safer's parking lot, midnight. I'll be there. <laughs> No, there's no sign of anything yet. Uh, it's only 10 o'clock. What time are you cops going to show up? Yeah. Yeah, they said they'd be here around 12, but you better go over early. Huh? Be here before midnight? Okay, Sergeant, so long as you grab those crooks. Uh, sounds sensible. Cops not wanting to get here too soon in case Bleeker and the Hornet have someone watching. I want you, Schaefer. You! Get outside. You said 12 o'clock. Do as I say. Don't try anything like come out. The man out there with a gun on you. Yeah, I see him. Another man with a mask. Keep him there. I'll be out in a moment. Closing the door of the shack, Britt Reed took down the one window shade in the small office and replaced it with another he had prepared. Then he shifted the desk lamp around. A few moments later... All right. Back inside, Schaefer. You put out the lights. I don't want you making any phone calls between now and midnight. A gun. Take it. Yes, you... I, I can't breathe. I can't. All right. To the Black Beauty. It's all ready, Mr. Britt? I fixed the window shade, Cato. I didn't like to gas him, but it was necessary for our plan. We're coming back? According to the way you prepared the gas, Schaefer should be unconscious till around midnight. When he recovers, he'll put on the lights. By that time, Bleaker and his rats will be here. We come back? Yeah, the Green Hornet will be here at midnight, Cato. But not in person. We got all the men placed around the parking lot. But where's Schaefer? Was he going to be here? Golly, that's what he said, Lowry. But there ain't no lights, not even in the shack. Almost twelve. Come on, we'll go in. Oh. Holy crow, what's that? Turn on the light. Schaefer, what happened? I'm all right. The Green Hornet. Superman's next. Was he here already? He asked me and left. What time is it? It's almost 12. 
Hey, we better get out of here with the cops. Right. Come on. You stand right here outside the door where you told them crooks you would be. We'll have you covered. Okay. Remember, the cops want to catch the Hornet as well as Baker. Yeah, I got it. Car coming. Stay here, Schaefer. We'll be here within the earshot. Hey, Lodi, I just noticed oh, something. Stay here, you lug. Come on, out. back out of sight. Come on, Dirt. Hackley. Who? Who's that? Okay, Schaefer. Is the Hornet here yet? He was here. Now he's gone. What? So you called him after we left. Oh, I didn't. Oh, then he'll be back, huh? I guess so. Yeah, we'll get him. He ain't cutting in on us. But right now, end over that dough. Wait a minute. I, we I... wrecked your cars a couple of times already, Schaefer. Pay for protection or we'll do a final job. Hey, boss. Pay that dough you got for the Hornet. You'll take a him when he shows up. Boss, it's a Hornet. Huh? I didn't hear nothing. Sure, he's been here all the time. What? Look there, boss. See the lighted window with the office shack? What the? There's a shadow. You can see the profile of the mask. He's holding a gun. Listening, huh? Yeah. He don't know the light makes his shadow a perfect target. Well, what are you waiting for? Blast him to bits. Right through the window. That does it. Hey, he ain't falling down. He's got to. I caught him square. I can see the bullet holes in the window shade. Come on inside and we'll finish him. You too, Schaefer. Stick him up. Well, I'll be a Dutch uncle. Look at that. What the? The cops. We're trapped. Make a break for it. Hey, where you Drop that gun. Take it. No, no, don't hit me. You, you got us. Center right, you rat. We heard what you said to Schaefer. Get moving. Take these crooks to the jug. Okay, Sarge. Come on. I don't Hey, what about the Hornet? I heard those crooks say he was in here. Yeah, I saw him in the window. But where's he gone? There wasn't no one here when Bleeker shoved me in. Hey, Lodi. Holy crow, will you look at this window shade? Window shade? Axford, you gone bats? Here. You can see for yourself. I tried to tell you I seen it from the outside, but she yanked me away. Holy mackerel. A paper cut out of the Hornet pasted on the window shade. You must have done that earlier. That's what Bleeker shot at from outside. Blast it, I don't know how, but the Hornet must have got suspicious. Sugar and snakes, Lowry. We better give gun and get the story. But golly, what kind of story is it when we ain't nabbed the Green Hornet? <laughs> just heard is a copyrighted feature of the Green Hornet Incorporated. The situations and characters depicted in this drama are fictitious. Any similarity to actual persons or events of the past or present is coincidental. Field and Farrington speaking, this is the Mutual Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for George Burns and Gracie Allen. Time now for George Burns and Gracie Allen and the episode, The 99-Year Lease. Another cup of Maxwell House coffee, George? Sure. Pour me a cup, Gracie. Maxwell House is always good to the last drop. And that's good, too. Yes, it's Maxwell House coffee time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. <laughs> <laughs> 
With yours truly, Bill Goodwin, our postman Mel Blank, and the music of Meredith Wilson and his orchestra. And as our special guest tonight, Harpo Marx. For your Thursday night enjoyment, it's George and Gracie. And for your everyday coffee drinking enjoyment, it's Maxwell House. With extra flavor in the blend, because of choice Latin American coffee, skillfully combined. Extra flavor in the cup. Because Radiant Roast develops the full flavor of every coffee bean. And the result is that today more people buy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee in the world. Well, this morning, we find the Burnses in their living room, where Gracie has just finished writing one of her daily newspaper columns. There. All done. And one of the best columns I've ever written. What's today's column about? All about my wonderful idea to solve inflation. What's your idea? Well, why not establish a board to control prices and not let them get too high? (laughs) Uh, We have a board like that. It's called OPA. You mean someone stole my idea before I even got around? Yes, yes. (laughs) Oh, darn. Uh, What did you say the board was called? O-P-A. How do you spell it? (laughs) O-P-A are initials. They stand for Office of Price Administration. My goodness. How did you find out all this stuff? There's a leak in Washington. (laughs) Oh, what? I know Max Gordon. Dory. (laughs) I'll put this all in my column. Boy, I'd like to see Drew Pearson's face when it appears. Oh, yes. He'll be amazed. Oh, I'll say. He'll probably sit up all night and wear himself out working on the same idea. And then tomorrow morning, he'll read my column and there he'll be. Boop, get scooped. (laughs) Made a double act out of him, huh? Gracie, let's stop this nonsense. You know absolutely nothing about national affairs. Oh, no. Well, you just ask me any question about national affairs and I'll snap out an answer just like that. Okay. Who's the Speaker of the House? I don't know. Next question. (laughs) What's Secretary Schwallenbach's job? Never heard of him. Keep coming, brother. That's enough. And you compare yourself to a man like Drew Pearson. Why, he knows everybody in Washington who has a job. So do I, and some Republicans, too. (laughs) You're a good mixer. Anyway, my column is different from Mr. Pearson's. He only writes political news, but I write all kinds, even Hollywood gossip. Hollywood gossip? Mm -hmm. Now, uh, listen, listen to this little tidbit from my tomorrow's column. I say, it is rumored about the Hollywood night spot that Clark Gable wears false ears. (laughs) Gable wears false ears? I don't say he does. I only say that's the rumor. But where did the rumor come from? I started it. Gracie, you can't print stuff like that. You have to stick to the truth. Who wants to read the truth? It's too dull. Oh, fine. And I take my second item. It says, is Margaret O'Brien really a 37-year-old woman? But she isn't. Do I say she is? I just ask. Murder. 
And here's my third item. Boris Karloff, Hollywood's leading horror man, has had his face lifted. In his next picture, he will play the part of Tom, the fun-loving rover boy. <laughs> Gracie, you can be sued for libel. You just can't say Hi, things Francis. like Well, what goes on here? Oh, I'm bawling Gracie out because of all the stuff she puts in the newspaper column. Tomorrow she was going to say that Hollywood's leading horror man had his face lifted. Really? They didn't do a very good job on you, George. <laughs> uh, look, a comic. Yeah, uh, yeah. Gracie has been printing lies in her column, and I don't like it. I've always been honest. Well, sure you have. Why, when I was a when I was a little kid, I picked Lincoln as my hero because he was called Honest Abe. I copied him. I followed him. You voted for I him. Po- <laughs> Oh, what's the use? Only kidding, George. You know, Gracie shouldn't use those phony gossip items. What she needs is a fella to snoop around and dig up stories that actually happened. Oh, that's a wonderful idea. Would you like to take the job, Bill? Well, no, Gracie, I wouldn't have time, but I will give you a hot flash to use in your column tomorrow. A juicy bit of scandal. What is it? Well, you can say that the handsomest young actor in Hollywood kissed a married woman while her husband just stood there with a stupid look on his face. Oh, really? When did that happen? Just now. So long. <laughs> Someday I'll punch that guy right in his dimple. Oh, don't be happy. Bill's plan will solve everything. I'll get somebody to spy on the stars and tell me what they see. But who'll you get? Oh, why don't you do it, George? A job like that would be a nice change from... From... Well... Whatever it is you do. You mean give up my pickle straw? (laughs) Me spy on people, oh no. Oh, please, dear. Nothing doing. I'd have to follow Betty Grable around. I'd have to peek into Lana Turner's window and hide under Rita Hayworth's... Say, that wouldn't be a... Okay. (laughs) Come in. Good morning, all. Good morning, all. Meredith, you may be the very man I'm looking for. I need someone to collect gossip for my column. Then I'm your man, Gracie. Back in my hometown of Mason City, Iowa, I used to do a gossip program on the radio. Called it uh, Inside Mason City with Scoop Wilson. <laughs> Good thing it wasn't Don Wilson. You couldn't get Inside Mason City with Don Wilson. <laughs> Meredith, what sort of items did you do? Well, uh, I'd usually open with a shocker to get their attention. Something like, Flash, what Holstein is holding hoofs with what popular bull? (laughs) That was the shocker that got their attention. Yes. Then I'd broadcast news of special interest to the Iowa farmers. The uh, progress of the fight against the corn borer. The latest news... What's a corn borer, Meredith? Well, that's just what the name implies, Gracie. A pest who loves corn and who loves to bore. They call it the corn borer. I thought they called you Scoop Wilson. <laughs> sure. Well, it's a little joke, yes. Well, I'll see you two geniuses later. This conversation upsets me. Uh, do you think I might qualify as your snooping reporter, Gracie? No, I'm afraid not, Meredith. No. I need someone who can sneak right into people's homes and spy on them. Oh. See. I saw a thrilling spy picture called Night in Casablanca. Maybe you could hire someone from the cast. Oh, were there any exotic, seductive spies in the picture? Oh, yes. There was one very attractive blonde spy. His name was uh, Harpo Marx. Harpo Marx? Yeah. In Night in Casablanca, all of the Marx brothers are spies. 
It was a thrilling picture. I was glued to my seat for two hours. Glued to your seat? Well, wasn't it embarrassing when you got up and your pants didn't? <laughs> By the ex expression, glued to my seat, I simply meant I couldn't leave. <laughs> I, uh, all of Crosby's horses couldn't have pulled me away. Well, some glue is stronger than others. <laughs> Meredith, you've given me a wonderful idea. I have? I'll go over to the Moss Brothers' house and hire one of them as my snooping reporter. Which one will you get, Gracie? Well, either Groucho or Chico. Harpo doesn't talk. That's right. He's the dumb one. All he does is chase beautiful women. Yeah, well, he's not so dumb. <laughs> See you later, Meredith. The Marx Brothers are home. Oh, it's Harpo. Ha how do you do, Harpo? I'm Mrs. George Burns. Oh, thank you. You think I'm pretty, huh? My uh, figure does things to you. Uh, you just can't take your eyes off my face. I'm young and alluring and irresistible siren. Um, I fascinate you. Oh, you little devil, what a line you've got. <laughs> um, tell me, um, where are your brothers, Groucho and Chico? Oh, oh, I see playing cards. What are they playing, poker? Uh, bridge? No. Well, what are they playing? Oh, oh, Jim. <laughs> you know, I can understand you just fine. How would you like to be my snooping reporter and go around and spy on people? Oh, wonderful. Now you can come to my house and go... <laughs> Are you serious, Gracie? You hired Harpo Marx as your snooping reporter? Well, sure. What good is he? He doesn't talk. But he honks. So does a goose, and, and that you can eat. <laughs> you better get rid of him. Well, I, I've got him out working on all kinds of scoops right now. For instance, wouldn't it be wonderful if he could uh, get the inside story of how Mickey Rooney kisses his wife goodbye? Huh? Well, maybe he can find out the name of the fellow who boosts him up. <laughs> uh, I see what you mean. Oh, there's Harpo. Well, you bet he's got a wonderful scoop. Come in. Hello, Harpo. Oh, I'd like you to meet my husband, George. And beep beep to you. Uh, did you uh, bring me the scoop, Harpo? Good, let's have it. Oh, no, not a cold scoop. Smart as a whip, this kid. Harpo, let me explain to you what a scoop is. For instance, if you knew a story about one of Hollywood's great lovers that no one else knew, I would be a scoop. Oh, you mean you've got such a story? Oh, wonderful. Who's the great lover? Clark Gable? No, huh? Errol Flynn? Not him either. Jerome Power? Well, who is it then? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
yes, there. <laughs> now, George, this might be a very interesting story. Tell me about it, Harpo. I suppose there's a girl involved. Oh, well, I don't know if that's three plain ones or one knockout. Oh, one knockout. Then you uh, have a rival, I suppose. Oh, I thought so. What sort of a fella is he? He doesn't like a fella. No, he sounds like a cat. Now, when did all this take place, Harpo? Oh, yeah, I see. Saturday night. <laughs> Now, exactly what happened on Saturday night? Oh, you called on your girl. Uh, were her mother and father home? Oh, just her mother. This is the greatest story since Lost Weekend. Well, what happened next, Topple? Did you take your girl over to the sofa? Uh-huh. And then what? Oh, I see. Well, how do you feel when you kiss your girl, Hoppo? She must be quite a girl. All right, you were kissing her. Then what? Uh-huh. And uh, was there someone at the door, maybe? Uh-huh. What Not is the it? two backwards, but we got it in. <laughs> the rival, huh? And what did he want? Oh, same thing you wanted. Well, did he take your girl away from you? Oh, poor Apple. Did you find someone else to net with? Oh, yeah? Who was she? <laughs> you had to take her mother. Well, I guess the young girls don't go for you. The Bobby Sock is like a different type of man. He's, uh, he's, he's rattling bones. Well, that's who they like, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> well, you see, Harpo, it's too bad that you can't serenade the girls like Frankie Boy does. Ooh, that's right. You have your harp. Oh, show us how you woo the girls with that.
Lamar and Dorothy Lamore. And find out who held up W.C. Field. <laughs> oh, I didn't know he was held up. You don't think he can stand alone, do you? <laughs> oh, George, this is a serious assignment. Now, get going, Harpo. Uh, get me a big scoop on a robbery. Tracy, that guy's a complete jerk. He is not. He's a brilliant man, and he has a brilliant future. Brilliant future? Yes. He can't talk. I know. Wouldn't he make a wonderful congressman? <laughs> We want a reporter. Get rid of Harpo and get yourself someone intelligent. Come in. Good afternoon, Mrs. Burns. And Mr. Burns. Oh, hello, Mr. Postman. Hello, Mr. Postman. Did I interrupt the family tete-a-tete? I was just telling my wife she ought to get a new helper. The one she's got is a complete jerk. But she loves you, Mr. Burns. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Postman, the helper George referred to is that famous fellow who's always chasing girls. He wears a blonde curly wig. Oh, Bill Goodwin. <laughs> yeah, that's close enough. If you two will excuse me, I'll see you later. Well, you still still didn't guess who my helper is, Mr. Postman. It's Harpo Marx. He's my snooping reporter. Oh, I see. How would you like to help him snoop? As a postman, you visit all the celebrities' homes. I'm sorry, Mrs. Burns, but postal regulations forbid a letter carrier to use his position or equipment for personal gain. <laughs> I can't even blow my postman's whistle at a girl. Oh, really? <laughs> That's right. I did it once and got 17 years at hard labor. Oh, just for blowing your whistle at a girl? Yes. I later married her. <laughs> well, I... Yes, you can't help me then. No, but here comes Mr. Goodwin. Perhaps he can suggest someone. Yeah, I'll ask him. Hello, Bill. Hi, Gracie. Good afternoon, Mr. Goodwin. Good afternoon, Mr. Postman. <laughs> Bill, I hired Harpo Marks as my snooping reporter, but George doesn't think he's so good. Really? Well, why'd you hire Harpo? Well, he's a spy in the Marks Brothers' new picture, Night in Casablanca. Oh, well, yes, I saw the picture last night, Gracie. What a love scene with Carol Davis. Wow. Oh, no, Bill. The girl in the picture was Lois Collier. Well, yeah, but I was in the balcony with Carol Davis. <laughs> oh, Mr. Goodwin. When, Mr. I envy you your gay romantic life. You do? I do. <laughs> Always a different girl. Once you marry one, the glamour is gone. Really, Mr. Postman? <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a mess at night. Wrinkle cream, foundation cream, chin strap, curlers. Oh, but Bill wouldn't give that up just because he got married. <laughs> Gracie, I'll have you know I employ no such devices to enhance my charm. All I use is a 
few drops of a tantalizing scent that women can't resist. Oh, so that's the secret of your appeal. Well, yes. Behind each ear, I put a wee drop of Maxwell House coffee. <laughs> Maxwell House coffee? Well, Mr. Postman, can you think of anything that has a more delightful fragrance, a more inviting aroma? Maxwell House is appetizing, rich, full-bodied, and mellow coffee at its full-flavored best. Good to the last drop. Well, we finally found out what happens to that last drop. <laughs> Bill puts it behind his ear. Why don't you try it, Mr. Postman? Maxwell House has a universal appeal. As a matter of fact, more people buy and enjoy Maxwell House than any other brand of coffee in the world. Really? Yes, of course. I'll bet if you try my little trick, Mr. Postman, your wife will grab you in her arms and kiss you. What a horrible thought. <laughs> oh, Mr. Postman, if your wife is like you say, how did she ever get you to propose to her? Oh, she turned my head. Oh, flattery, huh? No, she just took my head in her hands and turned it. Well, goodbye, folks. And remember, keep smiling. Oh, good. There's Harpo with my scoop. Come in. Hello, Harpo. Sunset buses back. <laughs> well, Hoppo, did you get a story about a robbery? <whistles> Wonderful. Hoppo, I want to apologize. Let me shake your hand. Uh, what did the robber steal? Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. A piece of silverware just fell out of his sleeve. He must be the robber. Oh, no, not Hoppo. He probably just had lunch at the Brown Derby and picked up a souvenir. <laughs> He had breakfast and dinner there, too. A fine man you hired, Grace. He's nothing but a crook. A no good Oh, thieving. now, don't get so excited, George. Calm down. I'll go in the kitchen and get you a glass of water. Hoppo, Marks. Shame on you. Breaking the law for three lousy knives. <laughs> for five lousy knives. <laughs> for six lousy <laughs> She found out that you walked into a restaurant. How about the hilltop? Some poor man. Holy smoke, you've stolen everything but the kitchen sink. That's true, huh? I feel sorry for the poor sucker you stole this all from. Oh, George, I couldn't get you a glass of water. Someone stole our kitchen sink. Hopper, 
You mean I'm the guy you robbed? <laughs> you robbed the bank? You robbed the bank? You robbed... <laughs> you robbed the bank? Until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's number one brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Oh, goody, goody, jello pudding tonight. It tastes like grandma's only more spoon. You ain't kidding, that's right. And, and just, just as jello sticks, delicious locked in flavors can't be beaten. So the proof of jello pudding's in the evening. The jello twins are hard to find, but keep on looking in your store. When sugar shortages are over, there'll be more. Just to taste the jello pudding or a jello and you know. It's the one and only J-E-L-L-O. Join us again next week when we'll all be back. George Burns, Tracy Allen, Meredith Wilson's Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Goodwin. Stay tuned to this station because Bird's Eye Open House, starring Dinah's Shore, is coming on in just a second. Dinah's special guest tonight is Peter Laurie. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thanks for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Challenge of the Yukon, followed by Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.